0: Greetings, Meltopians! If you've become enthralled by the dark wastes and nightscapes of Meltopia, and want to further explore its Stygian depths, consider joining our Patreon. For two dollars a month you could become a Meltopian and gain access to the darkest artworks, as well as written mythos pieces contained in the Melgrim, entries in Maltopia's own dark encyclopedia, and the legendary Corpus Diabolos, an elite publication containing essays written by the most esteemed dark scholars. For $5 a month, become a feared mailsayer, and gain early access to episodes on the Maltopia and Sleepwake Cycle podcasts and listen to new episodes of our audio series, Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and The Weird Book. And for $10 a month, join the Ranks of the Malsapien, where you can listen to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, October's Children, as well as gain access to found recordings discovered throughout the world in The Weird Tapes. But if you're not ready to delve into the pitch just yet, and would rather swim the shallows to test the blackened waters... You can explore our public page which contains our entire backlog of Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and the Weird Book, episodes from the Meltopia Podcast, which all together number over a hundred episodes. So, whether you want to become a full denizen of the dark, or simply peruse the public archives, come visit us at patreon.com forward slash Meltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. Now, Without further ado, enjoy the show.
1: I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray.
2: And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll presents the Anime
1: Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying <laughs> to pretend that I don't right Hold now. it
2: in. Hold and our current faves. In. Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that?
0: Say <laughs> what you're going to say and I'll circle back.
2: You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.
0: The alien forest sung as the four men continued to traverse its foliated innards. Wesley was silent for a time, the conjuration of words seeming impossible in light of his recent experience. As if words could no longer adequately describe the world that devised them. To use them would only convey a fallible simulacrum of the horrors that stirred in this bleak new world. The things around them seemed to escape the grasp of his vocabulary, their nature vastly surpassing the tiny lexical boxes that tried to trap them. It was only when Voren slowed down, matching Wesley's pace, that he escaped his thoughts.
2: What you did back there, it was... brave. You may very well have saved Cyrus and I. Bought enough time for River to find us. Thank you.
0: It's, uh, it's no problem. It just seems... Well, it seemed like the right thing to do.
1: You're such a hero, Wesley. Does it feel good to make stupid decisions that it could get us killed, you a cerebral ape? You're not worth the flesh you're fucking wrapped in!
0: Wesley tried to ignore the voice, shut it out somehow. He continued to talk with Vorn, if only to drown out the voice's ranting. I, I don't understand any of this. I mean, where do these things come from? I mean, what the hell are they?
2: Well, it depends on what you're referencing. If you mean the thing we just encountered, I have no idea. I've never seen anything like it. But there are other things in this world. Walks of darkness, they're often called. That we do
0: have some knowledge of. Yet, they're so varied, I wouldn't know where to start. Where do they come from? I mean, what the hell do they want?
2: Various places. Many beyond this world. Bolgers, they're sometimes called. We don't know much about their nature, however. As to what they want, I'm afraid their intentions vary. The Scream Eaters, for instance, wish to sup every ounce of pain in this world. Send it to the Bolger of Screams. Feed their god. The voice of a thousand screams. But even that's a rudimentary assessment. I'm not quite sure we can really understand their intentions.
1: Ah, the Scream Eaters. Vultures, all of them. Poking and prodding their prey in their little machines. I have had the pleasure of crossing several of them in my time. I rent their flesh from their bones, tore their souls from their limp little bodies, devoured them whole. <laughs>
0: Wait, 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 wait a second. You know what those things are? How? Tell me.
1: (laughs) I know much, little Wesley. As I've told you, I was there when the stones of Undur were first hewn, traveled the crooked path to the city of the Eastern Blight, basked in the blackness of the first darkness. But that is my knowledge and my knowledge alone, worm.
0: Wesley sighed aloud, and Voron looked at him strangely.
2: You, all right, Doctor Morrigan?
0: Yeah, yeah, just um, just tired is all. The group walked a bit further until Riva finally signed to Vorn to stop and make camp. Given the urgency of their escape, they were only able to make out with a few bedrolls and a single bag of supplies, all of which was provided by Cyrus, who had the forethought, if it could be called that, to keep them close during the assault. Of course, he took one of the bedrolls for himself. Vorn and Riva agreed to let Wesley have the other. Once camp was set up, they all sat around a modest fire, basking in its warmth. Vorn opened the conversation.
2: So, Moffat, when do you think we'll make it to the second camp? How distant are we?
0: Oh, I imagine we should get there around midday tomorrow, though I would certainly temper your expectations. The dead soldiers at the cabin would seem to indicate things have not gone well at the second discovery site. Wesley's mind wandered back to the cult compound, remembered Moffat's smile as he careened towards the window. How did you guys survive after the stairs collapsed? I mean, that thing was right on your ass, wasn't it?
2: Miraculously, we fell into a room with a wall between us and the creature. We managed to escape through a door to an adjacent room. From there, Moffat had to lead the way with his lantern. It was too dark to see through the dust and debris and so on. Honestly, I thought we were dead when we went down that last hole, but he insisted.
0: With Wesley's suspicions confirmed, he threw a glare at Moffat, who sat calmly by the fire. A slight grin smeared across his face. You... you knew, didn't you? Knew what, Dr. Morrigan? What accusation will you be casting my way now? You knew if you went down that last hallway, I'd come through the window and buy you enough time for River to arrive. I knew only what my lantern shined before me, what the shadows spelled across the walls. So no, I did not know the specifics of our rescue... Only knew that there would be one. Provided I abided the guiding light, of course. Then why not tell Vorin? Why not let him in on the plan rather than make him sweat it out? The future is a finicky thing, Dr. Morgan. It doesn't like when one divulges its plans. It becomes spiteful, you see. Changes everything around on you just to demonstrate it cannot be controlled. Tamed. If I told her... Dear friend Vorin, well, we may not be sitting here right now. Wesley paused a moment, mauling over the man's answer. The voice injected its own opinion. The Moffats are as much deceivers as they are soothsayers,
1: Wesley. They deal in half-truths, at best. Don't believe a fucking word he says.
0: Did you know we'd be attacked in the cabin? This question caused both River and Vorin to set their eyes on Moffat stairs that stood on the precipice of action, if the wrong answer was tendered, (laughs) Do you think I would have gone in there if I had? If I'm as self-absorbed as you clearly think I am, why would I put myself through the trouble? Risk my life for what? After all, we're simply where we began, out in an unknown forest, trudging towards the same destination. What possible angle would I have had... Wesley cast his eyes down, as he had no answer. Moffat was right. What possible benefit would there have been to go inside the cabins and risk his own life? He wondered if his suspicion of the man was due to simply not liking him, if his judgment was being led askew by a personal beef, rather than any rational logic. But then there was the voice. It seemed to know the man, or his family anyway. Then again, he didn't even know what the voice was. At this point, he had to come to terms with the fact that it wasn't some schizophrenically induced hallucination, but something else. Something more horrible than he wanted to imagine. But it, too, was a deceiver, saying whatever it needed to get its own way. There was simply no way to know the truth. I'm... I'm sorry. It was... It was unfair of me to accuse you. There was silence for a moment only the pop and crackle of fire-eating wood. The Moffat spoke up. Not to worry, my friend. You're not the first to be suspicious of a Moffat, and you won't be the last, I'm sure. For a moment, there was some humanity in Cyrus's eyes, even a hint of sadness, loneliness, to them. But it disappeared beneath that smarmy grin of his, the ashen gloom of his eyes lighting up as tongues of flame writhed in front of him. Sensing Wesley's shred of sympathy for the man, the voice made its discontent known.
1: You pusillanimous little maggot! Are you so gullible as to believe a word that comes out of his deceitful fucking mouth? Hear me now, Wesley Morgan. There is no such thing as an empty act to a Moffat, or a Kerwin for that matter. You're nothing but a puppet to them, an empty-headed dummy they yank around for their own purposes.
0: The voice's outburst gave Wesley an idea.
1: Who... Uh,
0: Who are the Kerwins? Are they like you, Cyrus? Um, prognosticators? Moffat's smile morphed into a sour grimace, the disgust almost a tangible substance seeping from his lips. The blackness of his eyes widened, as if to take in all the details of the man who dared speak that name. Oh dear. They are most certainly not like us. They are frauds, con artists, all of them. They are nothing but drug-addled charlatans with their hookah pipes, injections, cigarettes, and whatever other vices they pump into their bodies. Their visions are mere fever dreams, nothing more, the wild phantasms of lesser, meagre minds. To even mention them in the same sentence as a Moffat is sacrilegious, a stain upon our good name. Realizing that his rant had led him to stand up, Moffat resumed his seat. Wesley's goal hadn't been to anger the man, only to verify that the Kerwins even existed, to test if the voice in his head was real. He had the final confirmation he needed, as awful as it was. As Moffat stewed, gazing into the hypnotic flames, Vorin leaned over to Wesley.
2: The Kerwins are a rival family of seers to the Moffats, as you can see. The animosity runs deep between them. No one knows why. Truth be told, the Kerwins are as talented at seeing the future as the Morphets. Perhaps even more so. But their intentions are even more nebulous. Much like the Morphets, their advisement is often sought. But only with great caution and need. And much like the Morphets, they only advise when it suits their purposes. Neither name is to be trusted.
0: I see... What was all that business about them being drug-addled? Are they junkies of some sort?
2: (laughs) Yet another mystery. As the Moffats have their lanterns, the Kerwins are never without some sort of chemical vice, whether it be smoking or drinking, shooting up. They're always seen imbibing, though the nature of the substances imbibed remains a mystery. Some believe it linked to their powers of foresight, but others think it just an eccentricity. Something to further bolster their mystification.
0: I see. Are there. Uh, uh, never mind.
2: Go on, Dr. Morrigan. Out with it.
0: It's just. After the darkness, I spent my entire career debunking the supernatural, burying it in facts and numbers and logics. I wanted to suffocate it, deprive it of any air to breathe, just like it did to me, to my family. But now, I'm realizing the horrible truth of it all, that all these things really exist, and I i was just wondering, can I, I mean, is there a way to bring my family back? Or maybe just, at least, at least speak to them. Foreign paused a moment mulling over what he might say.
2: There are multiple people, beings, who can interact with the dead, some more grisly than others. Might I ask, what happened to you and your family?
0: His mind went back to the pit in the earth, where a mountain of emptied-out human puppets grinned and stared at him with giant, whimsical googly eyes. He remembered the way their flesh felt like cold marble, remembered the way their bodies haphazardly clattered down the giant pile of death as he continued to climb toward the tiny pinprick of light above him. Visions of his wife and daughter's stretched faces beset him, smiling at him from beneath the ruined floor, their countenances the will of something sadistic and terrible. It tainted all his memories of them, trips to the park, birthdays, Christmases, all now replaced by their hollow, lifeless faces. Their smiles beaming. Wesley began to shake. I'm sorry, for a I, I can't. I, I mean, I'd, I'd prefer not to. It's quite all right, Doctor Morgan. Wes, you, you can call me Wes.
2: It took me a while to talk about my awakening after the darkness. It's. Still a stain upon my mind. One I fear will never be truly cleansed.
0: I, um... I know this is unfair, but... What happened to you? If you don't mind my asking. Vorn stared into the fire, as if losing himself in it. Traveling with the ember fireflies spiraling out into the night. Then he came back, seeming more collected. I...
2: Woke up, and... The world was green, a putrescent olive, and I couldn't breathe. It never ceases to surprise me how long it took for me to realise I was underwater. The first thing I remember were the sounds, echoes of things, giant things, bellowing in the depths. But there was also a song, a song I'd never heard before or since. It was morbid, yet serene, a song for the end of the world. One sang by storms, tidal waves, and millions of droughts. I remember wanting to stay there Lose myself to its pounding rhythm Let the water enter me Baptise me It wasn't until I saw the others That I broke from my stupor They were decayed Covered in seaweed and mussels Their faces grown twisted and warped Mutated sea life Crawling from their mouths and eyes And yet they smiled. Perhaps that was the most horrific thing of all. Not the tentacles and pincers that replaced some of their appendages. Not the glowing green effulgence that engulfed their being. But those... Goddamn smiles. There must have been hundreds of them. Some human. Some animal. Some... Something else They were all just Floating aimlessly Like drifting astronauts Abandoned to the cold of space I remember panicking then Thrashing and clawing through the stupefied masses That song growing louder More lulling A melody born from both Beauty and Finale I swam upwards, but all I could see was a dirty underwater world, strange creatures above me, monstrous in size, their shadows darkening the waters further, engulfing all. As I continued to ascend, that lilting song began to turn lyrical, a whisper at first then a terrible unspeakable voice as if all the storms and raging oceans of the world of the universe could suddenly speak I remember my mind searching for a way out of itself if only to escape those terrible sounds I swam faster and faster at last I breached the surface. I was in the middle of a storm, green-tinged thunderheads above me, malachite mists skimming the surface of the water like slinking vaporous snakes. The voice was still there, speaking through the thunder, through the melodic deluge of rain and the soft whisper of crashing water. I could see... Horrible faces in the waves, otherworldly visages. They defied all sane description. When I finally made it to shore, the voice began to fade, and I ran as far inland as I could. I eventually made it to the town of Thunderberg, where I became one of many bewildered survivors wandering the city. It was weeks until any form of help arrived.
0: Wesley's eyes were wide, his face pale from the ghastly tale. He felt like a boy scout again, shrinking from the ghost stories shared around the campfire. Except these ghost stories were real. Nightmares come to life. I'm... I'm sorry, Vorin. Yeah, truly. Oh... It was Green Lake, wasn't it? Where you... Woke up.
2: That's what it would come to be called, yes. But I assure you, there is much more to that lake than just its odd colour. You see, I can occasionally hear it. I hear it calling to me whenever I'm near a body of water. I have nightmares. Memories. Of worlds drowning beneath the green depths of a putrid ocean, its waves dousing stars and flooding the universe. The cosmos, and endless, roiling sea. To this day, I avoid the water. In fact, River had to put me to sleep, just so I could cross the damnable ocean to arrive at Grimland.
0: Wesley felt shame for a moment remembering all the accounts about the lake he dismissed, even mocked. He never thought about the human faces behind all the tales, people whose lives had been upended by some sinister, unearthly thing. He guessed he'd known all along the stories were true, but he'd buried them like corpses in the deepest stratums of his brain, hoping they'd never surface. Yet they always did. In reality, he wasn't burying bodies, but planting seeds, guaranteeing they would one day germinate and spring to new life. What is it? I mean, have you learned anything about it?
2: Green Lake is an extension of an entity. Something we call an unbegotten. Known as Gaster, or the Fallen Sea. It's a a sort of cosmic living ocean or storm. ...moving across the universe, corrupting worlds. From some of the academic articles I've read, it collects souls and rebirths them into its body... ...forcing its victims to exist inside its living ecosystem. Scholars call this part of the being the embryonic sea... ...as souls are placed in amniotic sacs at the bottom of the lake... To eventually grow new bodies. There are dark scholars who know much more about this topic, of course, but that's what I've been able to piece together.
0: Wesley nodded, overwhelmed by the existence of such things. He thought about sharing his post-darkness awakening with Vorin. Perhaps he could even gain some knowledge on it. But the thought of recounting it was too much. A dagger that never stopped twisting. He decided to keep the story to himself, for now. Voren looked exhausted, as if the retelling of his harrowing experience had drained some of his life, his essence.
2: With that, Wes, I'm off to bed. River will be taking the first watch and I the second. I recommend you get some sleep. I suspect tomorrow will be another long day.
0: Voren sat against the trunk of a nearby tree and closed his eyes. "'Wesley couldn't help but wonder if he would dream of that ghastly lake "'like he'd dreamed about that mountain of puppets all those years ago. "'He looked around, finding that Moffat was already asleep, "'apparently tiring himself out after his outraged diatribe. "'Riva seemed deep in thought, staring into the fire "'while he bandaged his wounds with strips of his robes. "'The man was a rock, stolid and unmoving. "'Wesley said goodnight to the steadfast malsayer.' The man nodded as Wesley crawled into his sleeping bag, the sounds of an alien night lulling him to sleep. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Maltopia, visit us at Maltopia.com.